You're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about albums that we think are unsung classics, and then you guys tell us if you're right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. Disney Weaver. It's his old pal Craig, all the way for Australia. Mark, who the fuck is this guy? How did, how did he get in? He's, He's the, Jason, the Jason Isaacs of the Unsung Podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, this is the depressing part of the thing. And I'm even more depressed because I've came all this way and I'm in Chrissy's flat and it's it's gash. <laughs> He's, it's just, they need the money, you know? This is, I had, I had grand ideas of what, what the studio looked like. You don't have a studio. Uh-huh. No. Behind the music, just a living room. It's just never uh, meet your heroes. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically all sellotape together. I think his headphones are sellotape. His headphones are sellotape together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is the cash call. This is the uh, I live far away and I live in a country with not very good crack, not very good patter. So this podcast, the Unsung Podcast, is like kind of like a warm hug for me. You know, that's where you um, you can hear your pals talking shit like we used to talk back in the day and all the rest of it talking about music and it's just really really special I mean it makes me feel a bit at home kind of thing so uh, I regularly donate and try and ignore the exchange rate and all the rest of it but it's uh, <laughs> but it's really important because I, d- I don't know how the guys do it you know they, they don't it's no little job or anything so um, if you'd like to donate as I have uh, unsungpod.net forward slash donate officially better at that bit of it than Dave Weaver yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I think we should replace you <laughs> oh, I'll tell you about my band. <laughs> We're 16, doing covers of Hoover Sink. <laughs> uh, yeah, nice one. We've got a guest. Whose bloody idea was this? First of all, <laughs> we've got a guest this week, and it is our man Craig Carrick, who is a regular listener, contributor, uh, supporter, uh, and commentator. And you're very welcome, Craig. Nice to see you. Well, nice to see you boys as well. Uh, Thank you for giving us far too much money for this sorry endeavour. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Craig, has, Craig and Fritz alone have kept this thing going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's that's not that's not fair. Hazel Burgess as well. We've got yeah. three key benefactors and the rest of <laughs> are all part-timers. David's not here this week uh, due to a bereavement and, you know, we're sending all our best to David and his family. Um, but David thoroughly approves of Craig stepping in um, for the occasion. As a result, we've put Parliament on hold, Mark's suggestion. Mm-hmm. We thought this was too good an opportunity to miss as well, with Craig being in town very briefly for his dad's birthday. Uh, happy birthday to your dad, by the way. Big Danny. Yep. Yeah, so it's happened... Cat among the pigeons. There was there was chat of doing Millie Jackson. The Millie Jackson I wasn't familiar with, and Craig suggested her, and she's brilliant. Yeah. The thing really is, good. we did we only had so much time to do this because obviously David's not here. And she's we got like, a lot of albums. She's got a lot of stuff, and the idea of just a slightly different three white guys sitting talking <laughs> about this amazing black disco soul pop performer was just like, no, we we actually can't. We're going to put that in hold, but we are going to come back to Miller Jackson because it was a great shout, man. I, I did all the research for it <laughs> as well. So uh, if Craig is fumbling his way through this, he wants you to know it's because he was all set for Miller Jackson. Um, but he decided instead to 
to kind of like hit the emergency button <laughs> and, and uh, much to my chagrin and maybe to the delight of certain you know rubbernecking listeners that like to see our episodes that go down in flames Fritz uh, Fritz <laughs> uh, he has opted for do you want to break it to everybody? Biffy Clyro Biffy Bloody Clyro uh, and the album The Vertigo of Bliss yeah so second album not even like Stadium Clyro uh, and not Hipster first album Clyro but Vertigo of Bliss when they were still establishing themselves and you've been back and forth in this all week yeah what kind of band were they at this point all that that kind of chat will follow shortly before then Craig you live in Melbourne mm-hmm. no I don't I live in the countryside now I live in Castlemaine Castlemaine You had Castlemaine 4X Oh really I can oh, see the pub from see there see the pub from there <laughs> Yeah <coughs> Excuse me Yeah, yeah I, li- I live there At the moment Out in the country What drove you to Australia? Uh, I didn't ever want to go to Australia That was the thing It was uh, Australians when they travel They're pretty much the worst <laughs> You can imagine And working in pubs And all that in Glasgow okay, Aussie women are always fine But Aussie guys Are just the absolute worst And I thought Why would I want to go Into the belly of the beast? But um, I was out in Asia somewhere and uh, I met some lassie and she was talking about a music festival out there, a thing called Meredith Music Festival. Just just, just super ethical kind of festival, really don't be a dick mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, got the opportunity to go out and work it there. So that involved uh, landing in Melbourne and uh, Melbourne, I just fell in love with it straight away. I've heard it's, really, really good things about it. It's, it's, so like, uh, it's so like Glasgow. In many ways, it's, it's on a grid system kind of thing, and there's mm-hmm. like a couple of unis and all that, and that's a lot of what makes Glasgow good is people come to Glasgow to, to do something, to be something. That's why it's such a big melting pot. Yeah, it is a really big melting pot. <coughs> yeah. But there's almost more people in um, Melbourne than the whole of Scotland, so yeah. it's like a very, very different kind of dynamic. And the Glasgow-Edinburgh divide is very much the same as the Melbourne-Sydney divide yeah. as well. People will go, oh yeah, I've been to Scotland, and it's like, all right, where'd you go? Edinburgh. And it's like, you can understand why people go there because it looks like fucking Hogwarts or something, you know? <laughs> but, and it's the same with Sydney where there's like, there's no chat and it's, you know, but they've got the opera house and the, the yeah. Harbour Bridge and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's, it's like, the, it's kind of the, the postcard stereotypical yeah. sort of image of it. Yeah. I'd, I've heard nothing but good reports about uh, Melbourne and we've actually, apparently it is unbelievably good for coffee. Mm. It is, yeah, yeah. The thing about Melbourne is anything you want to do or be or something, you can do it in Melbourne. You want it to be a you know a part time butcher and a ballet dancer or something? It's, it's like you probably find a find a workshop for that or something. It's just it's really really energetic place. Good music, yeah, very good music. Um, very big live music culture, uh, which similar to Glasgow and Edinburgh. You know, the thing like Sydney, you struggle to find a gig kind of thing. There's a couple mm-hmm. of good things. It's more big touring bands, whereas Melbourne, you've got a hundred gigs every night. You know, lots mm-hmm. of small kind of grassroots independent stuff, and then you get the big acts coming through as well. So. Mm-hmm. It's, um, going there as well, like um, you forget it's an island, you know, mm-hmm. it's an island the size of Europe, but it's uh, but it's still a, kind of an island mentality. I remember going there, and um, one of the bands I'd heard was a uh, Cold Chisel. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't. No. But they're um, they're basically like the Bon Jovi of Australia. I can cut them in right here, though. <laughs> <laughs> you can, I. But they're they're like the the Bon Jovi of the thing, like really working class man. All that. It's like the cheap wine, like really good. Now it I seems just, like that New Jersey rock. That sort of like. <laughs> but they've got the, Huey the, Lewis, yeah. Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen. So. They've got that dynamic, the kind of Richie Sambora, John Bon Jovi thing, where the the guitar player, the lead guitar player, is maybe a better singer. All right, okay. But it's just, just not got the pipes. But um, it was maybe two years into living there, and it, the singer guy called Jimmy Barnes was on was on telly, and he, he's got a Scottish accent. <laughs> Turns out he's from around the corner from your flat. He's from Cowcaddens. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't. Even, I was like, Is Australia got any original acts? <laughs> what do you miss most? I'm sure there's many things you miss, but what do you, what do you miss most? Um, I put aside family stuff, obviously. I don't really have a big family, to be honest. So it's uh, it's more more people, you know, and most of the people in my life are kind of spread out now. Anyway, it's like oh, I was in Glasgow for 
I was in Scotland for 28 years or something like that, you know, it's like now, I've, now I'm on the other side of the world, I've, I've got lots to explore around there. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, one of the great things about being here was that you could, you could jump through Europe for 50 bucks return or something yeah, like that, yeah, you totally, know. Yeah. Whereas now I can go to Fiji and New Caledonia and all these kind of places in New Zealand and all this kind of stuff like relatively yeah, that's affordable, wild. you know. Yeah. Um, so it's just, just that different kind of scope, you know, that's why this, this trip was so, so massive. <laughs> You ever been to Australia, Mark? Never been to Australia. I understand everything that wants to kill you, though. So <laughs> all the flora, all the flora and fauna. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's. I'm not completely in love with Australia. Talking about flora and fauna, mm. their indigenous people were recognised as flora and fauna up until like yeah, 1970 true. or something like that. You know, it's like 68. Yeah, something like that. It's just just fell. You know mm. what I mean? And there's there's a very um, they call it the lucky country kind mm. of thing, and it very much is. And um, and people just, they take it for granted kind of thing. They don't realise how lucky they are. And as soon as other people are in need, they're like, nah, mm-hmm. batting down the hatches. You mean their attitudes yeah, so. to immigration and stuff, that's that, yeah, it's quite severe time at times. Yeah, yeah, I've had a hell of a time with it, but it's um, it's all right. I've got a life there. It's been good to me. You know, it's uh, like I say, it's an interesting place. I think there's going to be trouble there, much like in the States, I'd say, like where younger people are the future essentially and all the, all this old guard's just going to be gone mm-hmm. and it's just going to be a, a complete and utter paradigm shift um i think since i've been there there's been seven different prime ministers yeah wow yeah <laughs> since you've been in britain there's been seven different prime ministers <laughs> <laughs> just leaving a week yet <laughs> well it's nice to have you here man really nice to have you here and i'm glad you're able to do this mark you doing yeah. an interesting this week yeah uh, well since we're since last recorded i've seen a a fair few great gigs. Last night I went to see Russian Circles mm-hmm. with, with uh, the old Bond Jane. Uh, <laughs> thanks to our man Jerry Blythe, by the way, for helping you with that. Yeah, um, she's a huge fan. I don't know them that well, but oh my God, they were so good. So heavy, and the sound in the venue was like clear as a bell, mm-hmm. which is, I think, can be quite hard when you're that loud. It can be quite hard to, to sound clean, um, but they did sound pretty clear, which I enjoyed. Um, I was saying earlier on as well, see that of that post-metal kind of genre, I can give or take a lot of it. I mean, I really love Cult of Luna. I really don't understand why people are so into um, Pelican. Don't get it at all. Uh, Russian Circles, I've got a lot of time for. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen them once live, and even though the sound wasn't incredible, the band were. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty amazing what they can do with so few hands. Absolutely. Uh, liberal use of uh, loopers, basically. But <laughs> I, so that was pretty cool. Uh, on Friday, I went to see Epic Beardman, which was awesome. And so that's uh, Sage Francis, Sage Francis. Dolan, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was that was a party, man. It was a, it was a Friday night, Blue Arrow, a venue, tiny venue. Um, it was just a good fucking time. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, and then before that, I went to see McCluskey. We went to see McCluskey. We did go and see McCluskey, yeah. and that was a really good night. It was great. Really, yeah. it was a really good bill in general. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Right, so I mean, I'm just I'm happy to talk about anything other than this, <laughs> this subject this week. But I've, I've noticed that. <laughs> can we just we just rip the plaster off? Right, yeah. Craig, okay. you went for Biffy Clyro, uh, and that was you know I don't know. Is uh, there's lots of albums that I love, and and it's the unsung part that kind of makes it tricky. Yeah, you know, because mm-hmm. you're like, you know, this is a really big album, and with the Millie Jackson thing, obviously that that was a massive. She's a massive artist. She's unsung in the, in the sense that you'd never heard of her before. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you know, totally. Right, so Biffy Clyro, I didn't realise had been about since '95, yeah. which is literally the year I met you. Um, albeit the back then they were called Screwfish with a K. And the <laughs> thing is, I recognise that name. I, I recognise that name from back in the day. They, they were like a still college band. I think their first album was yeah, yeah. that that you know the the kids who come today will rock tomorrow. Yeah, 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 yeah. but I mean that that's when they were Biffy Clyro. Though this is like prehistory, and they were a four piece at that point as well. So it's state the obvious they're from Kilmarnock 95 is when they claim to have started anyway Simon Neil the two Johnson brothers Ben and James uh, James is a bassist Ben's a drummer uh, but back then they also had a boy in the band called uh, Boyan Chowdhury and uh, Boyan Chowdhury left the band I think about 97 and he actually later went on to form that band the Zootons Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, they are a cracking live band as well. You know? So, yeah, like uh, kind of some music, musical pedigree, but like even at that point, so say 
97 their first record the first album didn't come out to 2002 uh, and i know that ep came out uh, 2000 yeah was it but i mean it's still quite a big gap and it was Electric Honey that, that came out on, which uh, Craig, you'll remember Electric Honey. That was like a yeah, that's the Stoke College thing I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, it was like, a, it was like uh, there was one like was a music album, album a year yeah. kind of thing. And it was it a was, music uh, course in Glasgow at this college where it was kind of based around audio engineering and things. I mm-hmm. think one of the brothers studied there actually, and they picked both of them did. Oh, both mm-hmm. right, okay. So they picked a record a year from like a collection of them, and then they that was the project that they released, and some of them actually went on to do really really well, didn't they? You got any other alumni? Yeah, Bill Sebastian. Day upon day of this wandering gets you done Nobody gives you a chance or a dollar in this old town Fucking hate Bill and Sebastian uh, <laughs> Snow Patrol Fucking hate Snow Patrol yeah. So, Fucking hate Biffy Clyro. <laughs> and there's some some other bands, uh, Colonel Mustard and Dijon Five, who seem to be getting some kind of acclaim yeah. at the moment oh, in Glasgow. I can't say I particularly enjoy it. Yeah, these are these are, these are really band, big bands, though. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's like yeah. to, to come out of you know Stowe College in Glasgow as they, well. They did a like, band called Deadfly Bukowski, did they not? Yeah. Or am I just making that up? No, you did. Yeah, the El Presidente came out of that as well. Maybe so the guy from Gun or something like that. Well, Deadfly Bukowski was that that Roddy Hart, Roddy Hart who's right. now the, a radio host up here as well, isn't he? As well as like a folk musician type guy yeah wow i love electric honey records (laughs) (laughs) um anyway yeah so it was really hard to define what they are but they had three kind of initial rock albums that were sort of like oddball rock and it was when they were kind of all on beggar's banquet which was a london-based quite arty alternative indie label Uh, i think they worked with bands like seafood as well yeah but i was i was around back in those days tv and the radio were in there as well that's right um that's like yeah really really cool accommodating label yeah and, I mean, and, and like a good reputation and they, they didn't ask for singles either they were like just do what you want do what you want yeah they did mention actually that they got a lot of support from them and they were really you know record what you feel like and if we have to pick something from it we'll just lop our heads together so they did three records and that there was black and sky in 2002 which was that kind of infamous first one There's Vertigo Bliss that we're talking about, and there was one called Infinity Land, which was in 2004. And then there was like a bit of a kind of change. They brought out an album in 2007 called Puzzle. Which went to, I think, number two. Uh, at the time that was, that was a big breakthrough and it was a yeah. big step as well it, it, they were signed to uh, 14th Floor Records but that's basically the project label of the the CEO of Warner yep, Warner Music yep, so, so, so you're not talking about some kind of hip little indie imprint and actually uh, to this day it still fucks me off that people bother doing that like start bother setting up <laughs> this imprint so it doesn't look like it's got the Warner Music label on it be honest you know that's that's what it is so they moved to this major label and released Puzzle. And there was a real big step up in production and certainly the, the, the quality of the publicity. Rather than labouring it too much, Biffy Clyro somehow ended up at a point where they were headlining Wembley Stadium. In terms of a reality check, so they kind of drifted off my radar and then one day I turn on the TV and they're headlining Wembley Stadium and I was like, am I in a fucking coma here? What has happened? Like, what has happened in the interim? And I had to actually start working backwards to try and learn how did we get to this point? Is this just really surreal? So anyway, so it seems that in 2005, Zane Lowe, who was like a big DJ in Radio 1, for those that don't know, featured Biffy Clyro doing a cover of the song Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. Now, at the time, given that they'd um, only really been working on Beggar's Banquet, that's a pretty big deal because Beggar's Banquet isn't a huge label. It's it's good, but it's not huge. Uh, in 2006, they kind of officially left Beggar's to sign to this 14th floor um, although I think Beggar's Banquet's logo is still on the initial pressing of Puzzle for some reason. Yeah. And then in 2007, the track Saturday Superhouse came out from Puzzle and went to number 13 in the charts. And in fairness, it's a good tune. In fairness, it's a well-written, well-constructed song 
that's still heavy enough, still alternative enough. It doesn't compromise too much. I'm not saying I spend a lot of time listening to it, mm. but I can at least be vaguely objective and say, like, look, I get it. I get why people responded to it. Uh, they then ended up supporting, like, they supported Muse at Wembley, I think it was in 2007, and then went on to shows supporting The Who, Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Rolling Stones. Uh, they even opened for Linkin Park on tour, I think, also in 2007 in Europe. Uh, albeit they then also slagged Linkin Park off when they were asked what is the worst song ever and one of the brothers nominated that. Uh, they toured with Queens of Stone Age in 2008. They opened for fucking Bon Jovi in 2008. Then the track Mountains yeah. uh, came out in 2008 and went straight to number five in the UK charts. Again, Mountains, I can objectively accept. We'll come back to this. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get why that's a big song. By 2011, they were supporting the Foo Fighters over two nights. Uh, was it Hyde Park? And it was like apparently 130,000 people over the two nights. One of the questions we were going to face here, and one of the questions that I know you want to answer, Craig, is how the fuck did this little kind of gringy, poppy, rocky band end up being this massive thing? Because early on, even if you have a soft spot for their stuff... There's no real indicators that this is a band with any huge potential. I'll proffer one idea early on here, is that if you're at the point where you're supporting Muse, The Who, The Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rolling Stones, Linkin Park, Queens of Stone Age, Bon Jovi, The Foo Fighters, you must, you'd have to be doing something awfully fucking wrong to not at least start to make some kind of serious imprint. As to how they got there, I think there's maybe something to be said for the fact that they came from Scotland and that Scotland has a big musical reputation for a very small country. Um, I think a lot of people up here got behind them Because they, they worked hard They did work hard Yeah they, they worked their a, socks off They man. had a good reputation mm-hmm. I think they did what maybe even people like Jerry Cinnamon Have really benefited from Which is just a good grassroots Doing gigs mm-hmm. Making friends Climbing their way up the ladder Putting out just the right amount of songs That had catchy bits in them Cars on the table You guys know I fucking hate this band mm-hmm. right As to why I fucking hate this band I need to really explore that and I will explore it later because I had to do a lot of soul searching in the last week. <laughs> Very fucking reluctant soul searching where I did occasionally slam the laptop shut and curse both of you. Mm-hmm. Right? But I had to do soul searching and I have kind of picked it apart a wee bit and I want to concede that I'm going to come out of it looking bad. right? Because as part of my hatred for this band, I'm a bit jealous. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit petty. <laughs> I'm pretty unreasonable. I'm actually fairly confident that they're at least pretty decent guys. Sounds like your Tinder profile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they annoy the fuck out of me. I think they're fucking rubbish. All right. But <laughs> don't hold back, man. I, I can, I can, I can make more sense of this. However, what I'm saying is, in this kind of history of the success, it's pretty astronomical. I mean, okay, it's it's over the course of ten years, but it's mm-hmm. a steady and very very marked increase in the in their appeal and their coverage to the point where this band played fucking Wembley Stadium that's mental I saw this a band a couple in, of nights at Wembley Stadium yeah, as well yeah. I saw this band in Burlington Berties in Kilmarnock before it fucking burnt down alright I mean that is just so bizarre and there was nothing about that show in Burlington Berties that made me think this band is going to become like some fucking massive deal they were they were a good band that was it at that time in Scotland, there were loads of good bands of this vibe. You uh, you were tossing a few names about, maybe it was a good time to do it just now, you were tossing a few names about of the influences that uh, informed Biffy Clyro's music. And I think some of those are a really good shout. They were just on the cusp of a generation who'd missed those bands. So I would say early on, Braid. Uh, wee bits of quicksand, wee bits of far, certainly. Nirvana. Nirvana, obviously, yeah, absolutely. Well, these guys are the same age as us, Chris, as well, you know. They're, yeah. They're, there's, there's not much in it at all. And so they came up on the exact same diet we came up on, kind of thing, you know, which was... You know, going for that alternative, kind of a lot of stuff out the States. Braid is a, a band that probably worth talking about in this podcast at some point, you know. 
just just interesting bands like like Quicksand and Braid, like you said. But I'm big Curb Dog fans as well. Yeah, Curb Dog, that kind of like sludgy grunge band from Ireland. I, th- I think that's that's kind of interesting. I think you, when you time it just right so that a generation of people hear you, even if you're not intending it, because it's not like they had their influences, but certainly the sound they were making had just it just been it just gone long enough that I think people had missed the original. Mm. And this huge glut of kids and and new listeners to music were like associating that sound with Biffy partly as well because Biffy managed to keep it together for long enough to make an impact because there were a lot of good bands doing it there's even bands like we've spoken about Julia 13 briefly mm-hmm. there were bands doing maybe a slightly slicker version of it there were a lot of bands up in Dundee there were bands like Mercury Tilt Switch doing yeah. bits and bobs of it There was bands like Stapleton in Glasgow doing something that was maybe slightly closer to the braid side of it. Love Stapleton. Yeah. <laughs> this sound existed. And in fact, this sound was pretty abundant. I remember one band as well called Babies 3 who are from fucking Margate or something like that. Saw them at the thirteenth note, and and Babies Three, like at the time, sounded exactly like Biffy Clyro. But for some reason, these bands never took. Why is that? Why? Why do you guys? Do you guys have any theories about what yeah. it is? I, I think. Yeah. When you go, I, th- I think you missed out in your rundown as well as uh, what was it, the X Factor thing, the Matt Carl. Many of horror, many of horror, yeah. But see, that song was already vaguely popular. They were already on a major then, but that's when it it got it did explode. Got them to the the plebs, you know what I mean? And it's like, and then you've got okay, yeah, I'm gonna get into this band. But I still, I think, I think they're a really unusual band sound wise and everything wise. A very, very weird band, Mm -hmm. and uh, and why that's taken off and why that's really resonated, I I don't know. I think there's some engineering involved in in the way their sound is, is evolved, whether that's conscious or subconscious. So when Black and Sky came out in 2002, it was like the way, not only was New Metal a thing, but post-grunge was also a thing. So you still had like your fucking puddle of money, Nickelback and all that. And they sounded a bit like Nirvana. So kids who like that kind of shit are going to go to the local shows and see that kind of stuff happening live. That album for me is, is probably one of the better ones, but it doesn't really hold a candle to anything like, it, see that the first two records, which I think are probably the best two records, um, they don't convey the ambition, which they later like, kind of display from Infinity Land onwards and Vertical Abyss happens to come along at the exact same time as like post-hardcore's getting big so Funeral for a Friend Lost Profits all these bands are getting big and they've kind of augmented their sound with some of that kind of sort of quicksandy kind of Brady kind of thing yeah you know, there is a little bit of screamo in this as well yeah definitely this is like the most aggressive record they have So. And Infinity Land is is kind of in between the two. Infinity Land that was that was the other shout because I think that is probably their most unsung album. Okay, like no one ever talks about the album, but it's a really really interesting record. Yeah, it's really really weird. Probably for a bit long. Go, goes in many different tangents kind mm. of thing, but that was that was definitely a shout for this. Yeah, yeah. So this this will maybe offer a wee bit of insight into that, right? So as as I like to do with some of these bands, where you're not quite sure how their back catalogue sits. I kind of went through some of the sort of online lists from just neutral ones to actual fans. Ranker was the first one I looked at, and that had Only Revolutions, uh, which is their fifth album? Yes. Fifth album? From what year was that? 2009. 2009. That had that as their number one, and in almost every list, that was the number one album. Uh, It then had uh, Opposites, then Puzzle, then Black and Sky, blah, blah. Vertigo Bliss came in number five of six at the time of them doing that list. Uh, Best of Our Albums site had, again, only Revolutions. Vertigo was number six of seven. 
I might add Ellipsis was 7 of 7, which is their last album album mm-hmm. as opposed to the soundtrack. Uh, Rate Your Music had Infinity Land at number one, funnily enough. Uh, but that's, I think Rate Your Music is based on fans, and that's quite interesting. Because then you're getting more an insight into what the, the enthusiasts are biffy. And I think the enthusiasts, they're like a Trump band where they've got <laughs> this core that will never leave them. And that's kind of to their credit. They have this like 33%. It's not enough to get them elected. They needed to fucking break the mainstream with that chump on fucking the singing show. But uh, they have this fervent core and they have a different outlook. They have a different outlook on the band. We did it last week about the pitch shifter mm-hmm. as well, but not, not to the same extent with the name change. Or ride the, or die for fucking Biffy Clyro, basically. Yeah. Uh, again, Vertigo Bliss was number five out of seven for them. Ellipsis was seven out of seven again. Enemy, Vertigo Bliss was number three out of five at the time of them doing it. Uh, Infinity was number one for the enemy one. The second last one was Transistor. They had uh, Vertigo Bliss at uh, number one. Really? Yeah. yeah. Now, that was the only time I found that. Then they had Puzzle, uh, Infinity Land, Black and Sky, and again, number seven of seven, Ellipsis, their mm. most recent album. Now, the most interesting one was Vice, because the one in Vice was by the band themselves. Oh, they ranked them in order, didn't they? Of like They release. ranked them in order, which is so fucking cringeworthy. Mm. So number seven or seven, they had Black and Sky, where they made fun of the fact they didn't change their drum skins and uh, they wrote the songs when they were 17 years old, whatever. Uh, number six or uh, seven, they had Vertigo of Bliss, said, oh, we recorded that in a day, which we'll talk about later. Number five, they had uh, Infinity Land. Uh, oh, we finally had the courage to start singing in our accents um, because in the first two records, I wanted to sound like Kurt Cobain. Then, as you can imagine, number four was Puzzle. Number three was Only Revolutions. Number two was Opposites. And hilariously, number one, they ranked Ellipsis. Who the fuck saw that coming that they thought their shitty new album was their greatest one ever? And I just like, I pulled out some of the quotes from them trying to justify that and it really sounds like Paul Weller talking to Mojo. Um, I think we've got better in every single album. The new the, the new Beyonce album is as edgy as anything out there. Right now, the most exciting music is pop. Not fucking Isn't he? <laughs> Uh, that's I, somebody that's lost touch man it's, it's just somebody that's fucking been drinking the Kool-Aid uh, I feel like rock music in the last decade has stopped evolving well yeah because you fucking let it you had every opportunity to not let it stop evolving uh, at this point as well they were like oh we're not worrying about how it sounds live We these would be known as Biffy the studio years so they're kind of confessing this is now a produced project this is like they go into the studio with producers I, I think it's really sad when you get to a point where a band has kind of signed over a lot of their musical direction to the involvement of producers because of the weight of expectation that's on them from labels. And I think there's a little bit of like the Stockholm Syndrome where they're like, no, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to do. This is the years where we get really sophisticated. And we do. it's like, that's not who fucking Biffy Clyro are. They're an arena rock band. They're a fucking, I mean, I get they're an arena rock band now. They did three fairly solid albums of arena rock and then three albums before that of good kind of mid-venue sort of grungy, interesting time in rock. They're not a fucking pop band and trying to like fit themselves into that, you know, is just rubbing people up the wrong way looking at those fan lists and the other website lists ellipsis is consistently last right guys if you do hear this you're fucking kidding yourselves on if you think you're better now than you were ellipsis is shit it's the wrong fucking direction for your band it's not to say you don't have something to still contribute but your fucking core fans don't like it most magazines don't like it other than the ones that are fucking trying so hard to get an exclusive interview they'll say anything so fucking Give yourself the ice bucket challenge, please. <laughs> Just try and pull yourself out of the fucking stupor. I really fucking can't stand that sense of like, oh, pop music's where it's at. What is pop? Pop music is music that appeals to the fucking masses, music that appeals to the lowest common denominator. If you're saying that electronic music is edgy, I'll give you that. If you're saying that hip hop's edgy, then I'll, I'll give you that. If you're saying that popular music Generic music that appeals to as many people as possible is what's edgy. Fucking listen to what you're saying. It's clearly not. The whole point of pop music is that it's the least alienating thing possible. Doesn't mean that good things don't break through. But to say that the notion, the genre in general, if you can even call it a genre because it's so fucking enormous, is cutting edge, 
like shut the fuck up Beyonce I mean didn't even fucking get me started Beyonce. <laughs> but I mean seeing a band that started off so down to earth seemingly at least and like doing so much hard work and writing from scratch doing everything themselves you know recording an album in a day get to the point where they're pontificating this shit to a mass audience clearly at the behest of a label that's like oh guys we need you to help push the new album because it's not selling as well you know you need to tell everyone it's your best album like fuck off we're not idiots there's always that thing as well when you create a new record you think it's the best thing you've ever done because you just do right they don't know they probably did at the time <coughs> Craig do you think that's the best thing they've done it's definitely not the best well, thing the, they've done the new one yeah. so um, cards on the table here as well um, I, I've i got a lot of time for Biffy um, the earlier albums kind of stuff the the newer stuff kind of was kind of ruined on me they've got some big big hits on the newer albums kind of thing you know and, and they work and I can see how it's doing but like Mark was saying there it's like if, if, like they've they've been together as a band for a long time you yeah. know and still consistently together you know I mean like you are going to want to constantly evolve or I don't know devolve or whatever however you see it they are going to want to do something different you know I think they're probably pretty earnest in their in what they're saying is like yeah we don't want to make the same records we made before you know I think you can abs- and, and totally I totally agree with that but I don't think the two are mutually exclusive I think like you hold up a band like Radiohead changing and evolving your sound doesn't mean dumbing down your sound doesn't mean becoming more and more and more mainstream it means using the privilege of not having to worry about bills using the access to great gear and loads of time in the studio and like a comfortable lifestyle to push yourself creatively these guys don't seem to be doing that at all they seem to be bringing in producers to do a lot of the heavy lifting for them to take kind of rougher songs and make them as palatable for as broad and as disinterested an audience as possible can we appeal to the fucking people that do pop idol like who the fuck wants to appeal to people that do pop idol why do you need more money like why do you need a bigger crowd i I don't want to go too far down that road because that is part i think of why ultimately as much as i'm I'm fucking i'm aware i sound like a pure dick like (laughs) i I just can't fucking stand them but very quickly to do them justice and to not be fair to not just fucking skim over it the records as they are first up Black and Sky. Kind of where it all standing. I know, I know it's not that first EP that came out in Electric Honey, but Black and Sky did make a big impact, certainly up in Scotland. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow, okay, so one of these bands that's been making this music, because as I said, there was a whole array of bands all over the country doing this stuff, and in England as well. But I was going to say, and just on that point, I was going to say earlier on, sorry, but like, I think there's also probably something to do with the fact there was no band occupying that territory, like, on a big scale at that time. Yeah, lots no, of little bands. Nobody had kept yeah, through it. There, I think there, yeah. there, there were a couple of bands down south that threatened to do it. Seafood was one of them. Um, and I think Early Doors, Idlewild mm-hmm. were, were another one um, But Black and Sky Seemed to tick boxes that really connected with folk I actually had the first two Biffy Clyro singles um, Before the album came out And I was a huge fan of Far And they had that sort of slightly undersung Slightly twee Overly distorted But I mean overly in a, in a positive way like, like just like saturated there was an unfussiness and a kind of honesty to the early stuff I was like oh this sounds like a Scottish version of Far to me and I'm I'm kind of with that let's see where they go and I go think, yeah those big choruses like was it 57 Yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah, really, That's really, really far. Yeah, just boy, just well. boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I was really fucking psyched about that. I mean, there were there were other bands as well from the continent that were writing better songs at the time. There's a band called Faves who came from Switzerland, and Faves have some unbelievable songs. Cheesy as fuck, but if you're 
listening to a lot of this stuff, you're clearly not discriminating against that. And Favis has some wonderful music. Uh, but if you seem to really connect here, I will say at this point as well, there's a lot of their stuff sounds quite close to Sebado. Again, partly because I think it's quite under it's underproduced, his singing takes are quite naked, like they're quite honest, there's not like a lot of multi-tracking and stuff. It's it's got that kind of Lou Barlow fuzzy, rough edginess that I think makes it really like you, you feel personally attached to it. So there is an intimacy to those early albums as well. You yeah. f- it feels like it's it's very um you're in the room kind of thing. You exactly. Know? And it's not overproduced. That's the difference with the newer stuff, you know, where it's quite it's that big bombastic sound. Yeah, which thing, makes you, you know? f- it's the difference between being in a venue where you know you could probably touch the guy for the front of the stage mm. and being in Wembley Arena watching him on a monitor from a distance. It's the albums sound like that distance. The albums at this stage sound like you're in the the the, the slightly bigger but still medium to small venues. But from Puzzle and into Only Revolutions, you start to realise that you're listening to this band in an arena and you no longer feel that particular intimacy. You get the anthemic, I've had four pints of Carling and I'm fucking, I'm into this. But I would say Puzzle was the last Barra's album, if you know what I mean, last Barra's album. Yeah, Puzzle does feel Barra's, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. And then the likes of Only Revolutions is like Academy sort of end up. And then they end up in the SEC. So as a way aside here as well, um, in the US and Australia as well, like uh, they played a place called the Corner Hotel in Richmond in Melbourne, which is, you know, 500 capacity, maybe maybe even smaller than that. Basically, no one knew them there. And I, I'm saying to people like, oh, my pals are in tune. It's like, these guys are like the biggest band in Europe, pretty much. They're like, they're playing with the Stones and all that. Mm-hmm. And they're playing the Corner. It's going to be special. And you know what? It really was. It was like a... Oh, I can believe that, man. It was like a great sense in yeah boys can play it and it was loud and they had proper gear and all that kind of thing you know but it was just it was amazing you as know? you guys made the point as well this is the same three core guys and I mm. really love that about it that is what a really endearing part of this band is that it's been a group of people who are very close and have worked together and grown together they can't help but be amazing live there's like a, there'll be a synergy there between them that is just unbelievable as well, the, the boys are twins James and Ben are twins yeah. as well mm. they don't look much alike but um yeah, but being twins, I guess that must have an intrinsic kind of. Under, I don't know. I'm not. They a spend twin, a lot yeah. of time. I'd imagine each yeah. other's company as well. Yeah, they're doing. They're still great mates and all that kind and of thing. It, you know, if you're pro enough as well to be playing arenas, it's their very good chance it's going to translate into a pretty special club show. Was it not until very recently they were supporting Frightened Rabbit and supporting mm-hmm. We Were Promised Jetpacks in the about, states? Probably about die. Probably something like four or five years ago. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think they'd really like that though because they can. Come and, just, the best come, both worlds come and just do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come just do a show and be like, yeah, yeah. people like it on its merit, you know. Um, so obviously we're doing Vertigo Bliss, so we'll get back to that. But then Infinity Land was 2004. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, which I agree with you. Actually, is probably the most interesting album. It's mm. pretty out there. It's some really weird and adventurous ideas, and it's some of which work really well. I think even the electro intro thing, for example, on Glitter and Trauma. That, that's a that's a banger. first chord that comes in as well that's like that's heavy ass mm-hmm. but it's like it's got that kind of pop thing there's a track um later on it starts off like like dun, dun, yeah and then it goes into like the gin blossoms kind of sound or something like that. Wrong. That, you that. know that is it's so weird. good that you got that name so i was sitting earlier on trying to remember who the fucking gin blossoms were it does <laughs> sound like the gin blossoms um i was i ended up putting the wallflowers but i didn't mean mm. the wallflowers because it was a mm. bit more like the gin blossoms and it's this kind of weird Twee American M.O.R. Friends Rock mm. like, uh, But at this point At least they're still Doing somewhere A bit of edge in it Albeit I think One of the things I never got about Biffy Except on the rare occasion With like some mountains Of that Was their choice of melodies I found really meh like, Yeah Really beige Like the notes They went for When when they did go For the right notes The songs became huge And I was like Why the fuck Don't they do that More often But it just seemed like Their instincts were strange Here's, here's a, wee, a wee aside For me as well Um uh, Simon's Simon's a good singer, obviously, kind of thing. But he's he's very unique sounding singer. Yeah. Sounds quite weird when I you think when a lot you, of folk have you said. copied him. Sounds. But um, but Ben the drummer, 
who does a lot of those big choruses and hooks and all that kind of thing. Ben's an incredible singer, like properly, like beautiful singer. And and then obviously he's got his brother doing the, those kind of high part harmonies as well. Mm. So you say, well, Ben's probably a better singer, but Simon's got the personality, you know. Interesting. Can I um, can I make a wee confession here? Yeah. So uh, for the past couple of weeks, I've been slowly coming off my antidepressants, right? So my head's been a bit fuzzy. Fucking, this is getting a bit dark. Wait, I actually did Infinity Land instead of Vertical Bliss, so I have notes on that record. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Fucking, I don't want to get all, I don't want to get uh, all Alex Jones here, guys. But Big Pharma just ruined this. Yeah, uh, just ruined this. Ruined more exception. Do you want to give us a quick rundown of Infinity Land? Then I don't think I can. <laughs> uh, well, I'd, I'd see if you agree here, but this, the track, the atrocity. I'm guessing they called it that because they're aware of how fucking bad it is. Memories of a perfect time. We dream of nothing. Or so we say. I can see my notes for a if you want. Um, <laughs> I like that they're trying something new and try to push in a new direction, but it's just a nice and there's not really a song. It's just a thing. It's I fucking hate it. Yeah. It's this schmaltzy thing that really sits uncomfortably amidst some other quite interesting tunes. Uh, I started to notice things over thinking about puzzle, like some kind of wizard sounds like a Foo Fighters song. Jaggy Snake sounds like proper old Biffy so it's like they're trying to meld well, both worlds There's together. no such thing as a Jaggy Snake is actually exactly what I would say it sounds like them kind of at a kind of classic period and I think it's actually a pretty decent song The verse is kind of dated, but the chorus in that one is a, a wave a upon of wave is probably one of my favourites in yeah. that album. Mm-hmm. That's just uh, that's that same going in, a, in another direction. It's not that classic Biffy would have there kind of thing, but it's I don't know. It was, it was really nice. I, I like that song a lot. Weapons are concealed are definitely it's definitely single territory as well. They are definitely approaching that let's write a hook, let's write a let's write a proper, you know, catchy catchy song as opposed to a biffy catchy song, which is I suppose we'll talk about it when we do very cold bliss, but there's two completely different things in the way they approach it yeah. and they approach songwriting. Um It's a really long album as well. Yeah. It's the yeah. longest one. Well not the longest one. I yeah. think they do have a tendency to overload their albums. You and know, every album's got an album of B sides as well, kind of thing, so yeah. Fairly, fairly prolific band Which as is staggering as like, thing, you know? When you think about like Opposites being a, du- uh, being a double album And mm. then it's got another album Of 14 B-sides like, Similarities the- Is that right? Yeah, yeah what the yeah. fuck are you What are you smoking man? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Did they like a talk? You know it's, What are you smoking Or do you have any Fucking quality control uh, Jury's it um, <laughs> Puzzle <laughs> 2007 oh, Nothing to eat But fingers in the backseat Well I'm that guy And nothing to say to me Living is a problem because everything dies, ignoring the fact that it's a fucking chronic t- title for a song. Um, although it did kind of come at that point. Where I, re- I really like that song. That, it's a that song. really it's a good song. Like, I, I, I actually think like it's clever, it's interesting, it's anthemic. I get why that song connects with people. That's one of those Biffy songs where I'm like, right, if it was like this, man, I understand. That's one where it kind of shows their chops as well. Cause, yeah, because be, being such a tight kind of free piece kind of thing, their their timing is, you know, it's really interesting. Yeah. The, the, the structures that you use kind of thing I think as well following that with Saturday Superhouse as they do which again is another really strong banger, song yeah. even for someone like me that's mm-hmm. not got that much time for them it's two very good songs back to back to back and as your major label debut for some kid going home with this record or CD at the time, probably still was just banging it on. You're like, wow, that is going to be like, oh my god, this is this is terrific. Who's got a match as well? Like, I love that song, man. I think it's a great song, and that is properly Biffy though. Fire 
that's a properly weird Biffy hybrid thing. That's him shedding the oldness, old kind of awkwardness. Thing is, appropriating it for. I think after else. after Saturday Superhouse, this album just falls in its arse. I, 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 it's not bad, but I, I just loses all real defining features for me. I'm just like, okay, this is fine now, and the rest of the album kind of it, it it runs itself out in like five out of ten mode. Just like, oh yeah, okay, that was fine, that was fine, and it's a shame because they started it well, and I was, I, I this is the thing, I am willing, I'm almost eager to be convinced of how how wrong I've got them. But I feel like, you know, certainly they, they, they don't end this album in any kind of like real great style. I mean, die is cast for you, mate. I don't think it's, I don't think there's any coming no, back No, no, see... What I, did you think of the tune 915 on that album? Nothing, because I don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a really unusual, uh, uh, I'm on a hillside, and it's... it's Got this weird thing. It's done in nine fifteen or something like that. I think. But I, I, remember. I, can, I can assure you, I did listen to this entire album multiple times. It's like I, I, I am sick enough to put myself through that. But. I don't know. If, don't know if it's true or not. But I think it was like the area code for Kilmarnock or something done in like that was the time signature for the song. I, I thought it? they'd done. Had they not KY? done? Did they not do that with oh, like the phone number? One of the other ones where they counted like one, one, two, three, one, two, and it was like a, somebody's phone number. Is that not one of the later albums? Maybe that's what I'm getting confused yeah. about. I thought it was 915. Um, only Revelations. Right, so, Only Revelations. What year was this? 2009. 2009, okay. As somebody who's repeatedly stated in this show already, I'm not a big fan of Biffy Clyro. This is peak Biffy Clyro. Mm. Right, this is the one that made the, the, the tops of most of those yep. lists. It has three of their biggest and two of their best songs on it. Obviously, it's a good track. Is it Captain that starts? Yeah, the Captain. Yeah. I just think it sounds like Weezer. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> and it's, they'd supported Weezer as well, hadn't they? Yeah. But to me, it's got one of those kind of. We've made fun of this in the, the show before. There was a tendency, especially in Scotland, in these kind of alt rock, Scott rock fucking bands like Biffy Clyro and Twin Atlantic and all that stuff, to, the bands that were copying them as well, the second and third division versions of them, to always have these choruses that were like, whoa, 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 like wordless choruses, mm. like match of the decor, because you know that this track is going to be put over a football montage. That's what this song sounds like to me. Man, six pints in a fucking nightclub, you're fucking dancing at us, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, the captain, when you think about the, like, the music and that, like the where where it's played on the guitar, it's, it's actually quite heavy, but they make it sound really quite poppy, like that Weezer thing you're saying. But... I mean, can I just make the point, and Craig, you'll back me up in this, six pints and I'm not doing fucking anything. <laughs> six pints and you're calling an ambulance. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I get that. Um, nah. No, I, I really, I just, I, I just don't think it's anything special. Uh, right. That golden rule seems to be a pretty big one with a lot of their fan base as well. I've got it in inverted commas here that it rocks. It's a good song, man. Like it's fine. This, this, like it's pretty decent. This record commas. is. This, this is the one with all the singles on it. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm looking at the track list. Oh no, no, don't get me wrong. I'm going to give it credit where it's yeah. due. I'm just trying to get these fucking two songs out of the road. I need to say, like, <laughs> I think this is this is where lightning strikes for Biffy Clyro, right? Like easily, this record. This is right. Where, I mean, yeah, because yeah, like you mentioned it already, Bubbles. Bubbles is a really good song. There's like, again, objectively, it's a really good song. It's a nice guitar riff. Uh, it sounds like loads of Scottish indie, in, indie acts right until that first verse, albeit the guitar thing's a wee bit reminiscent of the strokes. But fucking it, the first part of that chorus is great, and then it's got that sort of second chorus thing that we spoke about Idlewild yeah. doing that mm-hmm. in their best songs as well. Like, they have a, a like, almost like a, a pre-chorus and a chorus. There's a girl, there's a girl, there's a girl. 
Both of them are great. And I totally understand why this song makes a big impact. And yeah, I can imagine this song coming on if I didn't already hate the band and been quite in it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I didn't have a point to prove to everybody else that was having a good time. He's so angry. Standing there, <laughs> deliberately not having a good time. So everybody fucking knows that I don't like Biffy Clyro. Right? <laughs> Um, we started this entire podcast we just so I could have this moment. Yeah, um, well, that's the last episode, by the way. We're fucking done after that. Right, so done. Chris is going to just implode, and that's kind of cancelled. God and Satan. Give me fucking peace. It's fucking, <laughs> it, it's fucking dull as shit, man. What is the fucking point in that song? Man, um, this is uh, this this this. Uh, I'm sorry if, if Simon has listened to this. I have to. I'm going to apologise in advance. But this um, brings in which I like to call the Simon Neil problem. Is when you write nonsense lyrics and try and write whole records around them. Somebody told me about this. I was totally oblivious to this. But even I get a guy, a friend of mine that's a big fan of them, was like. The one reservation I have is that Simon comes up with some fucking nonsense sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think his lyrics were that bad, but I seem to have missed well, a lot there's, of them. There's a lot of them on all the records. Like, there's some... Like, I, I was listening to Ellipsis on the way over, man, and there's, there's some... Well, that was your first mistake. That was definitely a mistake, <laughs> man. As I fucking... As I see you cutting somebody up in the inside lane. Yeah, but... That's <laughs> I was thinking about Biffy Clyro when yeah. I was driving angry. And, uh, like, there's some lyrics in that song. Oh, it's a Hexus, maybe? Uh, or not... At, Animal, something animal. I see this. It shows you how much I fucking care about the record. Okay, okay. Uh, animal style, man, and it's got some of the worst lyrics I've heard in a long time. Um, and Is that my head's a fucking carnival, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right, uh, which so, is fine. I think. I think it was clear to me, right, that he like he, he's quite thematic yeah, on his records. Yeah, he's he's quite, always. Yeah. It's usually. I think it's. I feel it sounds like he's quite an insular writer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think quite a good sense of humour. Actually, don't mind. He does have a good sense of humour. Yeah. That's why. That's why I can forgive a lot of because sometimes they're funny. And I don't know if it's deliberate or. Or not, but... Just crap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I suppose. Um, but, okay, talking animals, Elephant in the Room, man, is Mountains, because Mountains is their best tune. Let's take a ride, we'll take a ride I wouldn't leave here without you I am a mountain I am the sea You can't take that away from me It is fucking really, really well written rock, anthemic rock song yeah. it's cheesy as fuck it's pure like diabetes fucking waiting to happen but it is objectively an excellent bit of writing I absolutely concede that and if if they had half a dozen songs like that I'd have no qualms with them playing at arenas they don't have half a fucking dozen songs like that but it is it is a really good bit of music I get does, it. there's also one reason why that's brown is because it's not in 4-4 and it was a huge huge single That's how I really, I don't think yeah, a lot of people that's good. realize that that's biffing all over, though, isn't it? Uh-huh. It's, yeah. like it's, it's almost as good as Salisbury Hill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. Um, many of horror. Can we fucking talk about this? Because this is fucking shit, right? Really? Many of horror is Snow Patrol. just is snow fucking patrol right and even when i clicked on it in fucking youtube to watch the fucking official video their recommended next song was run by snow patrol It is fucking Snow Patrol. It's, it's a good parallel to make though as well because Snow Patrol weren't always Snow Patrol. They had a they had a yeah, major they had shift. Yeah, polar bear then, fucking yeah, alternative yeah. rock. And then, then, they, then they became that big run thing, you know. And you know, Biffy Cura went that way, but I think they stayed up. Stayed a bit How more hard is it to write a song like that though? Really? I mean, come on, fuck it. So just it's like the the chord progressions are just fucking like you can buy them off the shelf, and I mean it's so fucking simple to write these big corny 
fucking crowd pleasing ballady. I'm looking forward to your album. <laughs> uh, well, I've got two things I want to say. That one, I've got a snow patrol nexus. Um, <laughs> do, you know, do you know we're not doing snow patrol? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> the last, the last song on people was co- the last song. People, meds, by the way, getting back in the rooms. <laughs> the last song people on ellipsis was co-written by a guy like Body and Johnny. Stop listening to ellipsis. <laughs> just saying. Just stop mentioning it. Just stop listening to snow patrol. Just saying. God, I know both of those things that he stopped doing. And also, was, um, oh, can we move on to the next record? Oh, hang on, just don't like this band. One more thing about Many of Horror as well is I think um, it's a song that might be quite difficult for them to write just because it's not what they're used to doing. There's so many rude things I could say to that. It's totally, a weird band, man. Don't leave it hanging there yeah. in my ear. Just saying. Fuck's sake. Right, okay. <laughs> Opposites. The production of this album shit. It's really odd. It sounds like really fucking compressed yet also like paper thin. The drums sound shit. Producer, uh, weird. Fuck it, sounds crap. Uh, different people. Uh, fuck, I hate it. Um, Black Chandelier was quite a big song in this, right? But this is what the one that sounded like fucking mix of the gin blossoms, the wallflowers, and like deep blue something. That's one of the big videos. Like proper, like like American production values kind of thing. I was seeing that and thinking, yeah. Again, it's a weird song. Everything about this band's fucking weird, man. And then biblical as well, which is basically many of horror redux. It's also a big single. Mm. I think Stinging Bell was the first one that came out in this. Yeah, right? yeah. That's fucking shit. It's got bagpipes on it. When was the last time bagpipes made it end better? Uh, I mean, people make fun of Big Country because they had a wee fucking distortion pedal that's like, or a wee mad synth pedal that sounded a bit like bagpipes. They actually used bagpipes. Can we start every time we make we mention Biffy Clyro making fun of them the way we make fun of Big Country who were clearly a much better fucking band than Biffy Clyro. Sorry. That's, um, that's, that's Chris's new <laughs> podcast why Big Country are one of the best bands on earth. I mean, they're so fucking polished at this point as well. Um, I will give them, right, the track opposite in this is corny as fuck, but I quite liked it. And it's got that guy Ben Bridwell from Band of Horses. And it is, again, totally cheesy. But, for example, I think it's a lot better than Mania Horror. I just think it's a quite a nice song. I think Victory Over the Sun is probably my favourite in this album. Probably not to your taste, but... It just that always. I mean, it's the one that safe bet. stings out. Yeah, uh, I'm checked out by this point. Like, ellip- ellipsis, Mark. Yeah. You spent a lot of time listening to Ellipsis. <laughs> I spent some time listening to Ellipsis. Uh, um, ellipsis is that moment when you can't decide if Twin Atlantic or Biffy Clyro was more edgy now. or the same band. <laughs> <laughs> like I watched videos of the two, and I kind of went back and forward between them at this period, and I was like, and by the way, me and Craig, we know the guys for Twin, uh, Twin Atlantic, and actually, really nice boys. That should hopefully stand quite apart from the fact that their fucking music's stinking. Yeah. And I hope they don't hold that against us because I do think they're good guys, but no fucking way is I get in my house. Um, <laughs> Here's a good story just as a wee aside about Twin Atlantic. Um, the, the singer, Sam McTrusty, he used to work with us uh-huh. on the bar. And uh, this is when he's a proper wee guy kind of hanging just before it started Twin Atlantic. And I uh, love Biffy, just like, you know. Of course. And we, then we had. <laughs> it, shows, uh, it shows just a bit. We had them playing, was it Marmon Duke Duke? That Save yeah, Project yeah, band? Yeah. Had them playing. And Sam was all like, because it was hard to get into that gig as well. It was yeah. like, it was jumping. And I uh, got Sam in and all the rest of it and he had to leave because he's scared of people in masks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with me? He's like, Uh-oh. I just can't handle these masks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, God, I, yeah, I had a Marmon Duke Duke experience as well. Did you? I think I've told it in the podcast before and I'm worried about I'm just repeating my same six stories now. I don't, I don't remember it. Um, I'll come back to it. Ellipsis. 
Wheels so, of Winter can get in the bin. That is fucking rank. The choice to survive in winter. We have achieved so much more than you possibly thought we could. Do you think that like, Biffy of 2000, the kind of young, energetic, adventurous fucking guys trying to like carve a niche and work hard on that, do you think they would really have rated the song Hill? Think would have given it any time in a car stereo, or would it have gone out the fucking window? Sorry, how? How actually? Sorry, how was the one that was written by Snow Patrol? Sorry. Well, maybe that shows then. It's yeah, fucking it's rank. Uh, and I think Simon's voice in this is actually really pretty fucking annoying. In this, there's song. a lot of there's a lot of brand new vocal texts which are yeah supremely irritating. It seems really like forced. Like the one where he says blood and animal style, I'm like yeah. They, they used that and um, was it for like Tina Park the BBC yeah. or something? It was mm-hmm. like the instrumental version of it, mm-hmm. kind of thing. You could hear like, oh, it's got merit in that, but mm-hmm. as a song, I was like, what's going on there? Co-written by John Feldman. He's John Feldman. He was in Goldfinger, and he's now a super producer. He works with loads of fucking bands. Um, we're talking like is that straight from his Wikipedia? Works with tons of fucking bands. That's a direct quote. He's worked with Five, five Seconds of Summer, with All Time Low, Disturbed. Um, yeah, so like big, big American or Australian rock bands. We didn't actually mention as well that we've been involved in this film called Balance Not Symmetry that came out this year, which features uh, Laura Harrier, Kate Dickey, Bria Venete? Venete? I don't know how to say her name. Uh, and the soundtrack to that is ostensibly a Biffy Clyro album. Um, the NME, unsurprisingly, gave it 4 out of 5, whereas it, the film itself has. Whereas IMDb's sitting at 5.2 out of 10, Entertainment Focus 2 out of 5, The Guardian's review was pretty brutal, it gave it 2 out of 5, describing it as the tentative, incomplete feeling of an actor's improv project. Mm. I've not seen it or heard the album of you. I have heard the album I've not seen the film The friends that see, have seen it Were Biffy Clyro fans That kind of tried to put A plate spin on it um, So um, Simon Neal co-wrote the film Yeah he did And uh, the, the the record was, was Was being written At the same time as the film So the apparently The lyrics are, end up in the film And vice versa Which mm. is As any writer will tell you It's a terrible idea mm. I wonder if it's as good As that Tom York thing On Netflix just now That's fucking not Totally that, embarrassing as well Anyway There you go I think I'm coming across Quite cynical today um, today? So, <laughs> so uh, uh, no wonder Mark's still early. 